I'm hot for teacher. We thought we were done. We thought we were finished. We thought we would never talk about a movie minute by minute again. But we were wrong. Join us as we get to know the cast next door. Hello and welcome to the cast next door where we love your mother's cookies. I am uh, Sammy C, and I am here um, for a bonus episode with my lovely guest, Megan Sunday. Hello. I'm so excited to get to um, get to sit down with you, and um, well, in the in the uh, ethereal sense, we are both sitting down in different places, <laughs> uh, but we are sitting down together to talk about the boy next door, a movie which. Much to everyone who is listening, chagrin probably. I still have not watched. Sorry, <laughs> beyond one minute of it. But I got the gist, and I uh, think that Megan is pretty enthusiastic about said film. So I am really excited to talk to her about it. So, Megan, you were on minutes um, 49 through 53? 52. 52. Yeah. Okay, um, so 49 through 52, um, and did you have any stray thoughts or anything that you felt like you didn't get to cover in all of those episodes? I still don't understand why J-Lo went to this dance with her son. She's not apparently a chaperone, because she's not dressed up mm -hmm. or anything. I guess, okay. I, I mean, she's just there so that she can then have a confrontation with Noah in the bathroom. But that's the laziest way. I mean, she literally escorts her son to the dance floor. And I don't think moms do that <laughs> or should do that. And I know. I, I know it was just that for them to get her from point A to point B, but it's very awkward. Well, and I feel like since she's a teacher, that's a really easy flaw in the in the screenplay to fix. It's like, just make her a chaperone. Exactly. I mean, which maybe they were trying to, but I feel like they could have just thrown in a line where she's like, well, I have to go chaperone now, or, well, I have to drive you. I'm chaperoning or something like that. Right. Instead of or, just... I'm in charge of punch. Like... Yeah. Instead of just, <laughs> well, here we are. Oh, I guess I'll leave the scene now. <laughs> that is super weird. I still couldn't tell from those minutes what, which we, we talked about, but what oh, Noah's endgame really is. Like, if he wants to be with J-Lo forever, if he is just angry because she might get back with her husband. Yeah, and that's, that's something um, I've been listening to the podcast um, a little bit lately, and um, that is something that confuses me from, like, from what I, I know of how the plot is building right now. There doesn't seem to be a definite plan. It's just like he's just angry and doesn't want anybody else to be around her, but he doesn't really seem to be very affectionate towards her from what I've gathered all throughout this entire podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I mean, he's very charming to her in the beginning and he, he talks up like the Iliad and the classics. He buys her that first edition and then 
the the morning after they sleep together, you know, he brings her breakfast and it's very like, oh, you know, now we're boyfriend, girlfriend. And then he reacts very badly when she is not, she does not feel the same way about it. But he seemingly kind of changes on a dime to just being extremely angry. And then all of a sudden there's just backstory about, oh, and looks like he killed his father and his mother committed suicide. And he's very angry at women, but it seems like he killed his father out of vengeance for his mother. But then he doesn't seem to like anyone. I, I don't know. I do know that, like, they believe that he killed his father because he was unfaithful to his mother. And so he seems like he's, like, he, like, hates infidelity so much. Yeah. But he also is party to infidelity with J-Lo's character. So, <laughs> kind of infidelity. They're separated. But, yeah. Yeah. Like, you would seem like somebody with kind of a black and white justice uh, type of like crazy vibe that they're trying to go for would would definitely have like a solid boundary there. And I guess it, you could see it as he's trying to because he sees the situation as being very similar to the one his parents had. Like his father had an affair and moved out and left him and his mother alone, and so. You know, he thinks that Claire is amazing and doesn't deserve that. So he's going to swoop in and save her and be her new knight in shining armor. But then to go from that to where it's shown that he has, like, you know, the the evidence dungeon of pictures of her (laughs) and everything's so intense and crazy that it's just, well, okay, I guess now he's that kind of movie crazy. Whereas before, you couldn't quite... I just feel like it didn't mesh necessarily. It's like they felt at a certain point in the movie, well, this is the kind of, of, you know, way he has to behave. Right. And also, I mean, he... There's a scene later in the movie, right after the, uh, the confrontation at the dance, where we see that he is sleeping with Allie, the girl that Kevin mm-hmm. went to the dance with. Right. Which, as far as I can recall, she subsequently never mentioned again. Kevin doesn't say, oh, I don't, I think Allie had a really good time last night. Or Claire doesn't say, I don't think Allie's the right girl for you. Or anything. It's just, remember that whole Allie subplot? Well, <laughs> now she's gone. Never mind. <laughs> she was naked and then she was gone. <laughs> Yeah, that's super weird, and um, we're kind of moving just kind of naturally into more general discussion of of the movie, um, but I um, I did have a, a like a clarify a point of clarification that you can help me as a resident expert here on this movie <laughs> um, is that um, Noah and and Claire only sleep together the one time, right? Yes. And part of his evidence dungeon is a bunch of pictures and, like, video of of them sleeping together, right? Yes. See, that's he... what I don't, I don't get about this movie. <laughs> is, <laughs> one of the things is that, like, it seems to be this conceit of that he, like, turned on a dime and went super, super crazy all of a sudden, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like his intention was to blackmail her all along if he was doing all of this recording. Yeah, and, you know, he 
there's a big tense scene where she goes into her classroom one morning and Mm -hmm. her printer is just printing out endless high quality copies of this one particular still of the two of them having sex and I guess that's I mean he's a computer hacker he hacked her email that time but yeah there's there's no real reason why he would have taken all these pictures unless it was just that he's so in love with her that but why would they be wanting to make a scrapbook yeah you know it's, it's, it's just <laughs> I, I yeah that part I remember because I actually saw this in the theater and yeah. that reveal was just sort of everyone I think had the same sort of collective oh okay because there's the usual pictures of her that are only the pictures you take of someone in movies where every, you know, surveillance photo looks amazing. But then, right. yeah, there's all these pictures of, of the night they slept together. And why did he have cameras? Right. Like, why was he filming his living room? Because that's where they sleep together. It's not even in his bedroom right. where you could right. think maybe he has that set up. It's just the living room. <laughs> yeah, so it's premeditated couch sex with yeah high high quality photography i mean i could see if maybe it was a picture of them like after or she's sleeping or something where you know and i get that it has to be an actual sex picture or else she could just you know there's no nothing there because you could say oh well he broke into my house or something but yeah well why was he taking those photos right why and at that point he apparently his idea was still that they were going to be together. So right. like you said, why would you take... It's just... I don't understand you, Noah. <laughs> Noah, explain yourself to us. <laughs> there should have been a scene in the evidence dungeon earlier with him, yeah. you know. I Maybe so had mentioned this, and that's why it's in my head, but you know, the, the picture of, of her and John Corbett and Kevin where he's put his face over John Corbett or something. Or, <laughs> right. Or his right. whole body, you know, just kind of stuck himself in there or something where you'd get an idea that oh he's really obsessed with her and this is yeah his dream or like yeah or like that like i don't know some i think something that would be really creepy would be um would be perhaps like if she had decided after the first one night stand to be like okay well this is just kind of a fun fling like I wouldn't mind doing this again. Yeah. Then they, um, like, they do it, they do it again, and he knows that she's going to find out that he's her student or something like that. And, like, somehow have a, like, a second time that is different because he knows that she's not as into it as he is or whatever, and he, like, he intentionally uses that. It's just like, Mm -hmm. I don't know anyway um like after i think it's immediately after they sleep together when she's telling him that it was a mistake and he's saying oh no like it meant something it was you know you care about each other kind of thing but then later once he's turned sort of ugly and aggressive and he confronts her in the bathroom he does that sort of awful like humping up against her being like oh you liked this like this is how you like it things and it's just the, the the split there is very strange and he also I still want to know how long he was waiting in that bathroom. <laughs> yeah. He's just like... I legitimately... Whenever there's a scene like that in movies, when someone's just been lying in wait, I always just think to myself, well, how long were you there? Because I've right. tried to surprise people, and you can never... 
you never time oh it God. right it's the worst like even even having like a surprise party that you like yeah have planned forever you always end up sitting like curled up in a corner in in the room you know and they're just like jesus christ when are they gonna get home <laughs> i mean i can't i can't even do a snapchat right the first time like I, <laughs> yeah exactly I, I don't have it in me to wait in a dark flooding bathroom <laughs> hoping that the next person who walks in is the person i'm there to step out and intimidate intimidate yeah exactly i, I don't understand his motivations yeah so that brings me to the larger question of like what do you think of The Boy Next Door as a film? And especially, um, I'm going to draw a little bit on the fact that I know that you have a blog about V.C. Andrews' work. <laughs> um, and so you're no stranger to kind of the erotic thriller or like the, the like woman-focused like sex horror. Um, and so I'm interested in what you think about it. This, this movie was pretty much panned by the critics but there was a lot of talk about how it was a woman's movie and um i'm interested in what you think about all of that i know i'm throwing a lot of things at you but um i'm just i'm interested in in your opinion of this movie it in its genre and especially as one that's directed towards women it, when I think about these kind of movies, it is usually the woman who is the aggressor. You know, Fatal Attraction, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, that one with Beyonce. Um, obsessed, that's it. Uh, you know, it's, it's usually that sort of the cliche. And so, I mean, it is, I guess, nice that in this case it's the other way. And that, you know, it is sort of the, you know, I, I guess it's you know a very usual sort of trope of of this you know this older woman who is kind of feeling that you know she's not attractive anymore her husband cheats on her and you know her son's getting older and then this hot guy i mean because ryan guzman is very good looking moves in next door and is showering her with attention you know is always complimenting her and all the things she would like to be complimented on like you know how intelligent she is what a great teacher she must be her cooking her looks and then, you know, then to have that be the sexual situation that goes awry, which is usually the other the other way. And in that sense, I mean, I can see where that's something that you don't often see. But I think so much of the rest of it is both so cliche. I think there's, I, if I remember correctly, there is, there's a jump scare with, like, a cat jumps out at one point. Wow. <laughs> like, on. a cat. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think at the yeah. end when they get to, like, when she goes to check on Vicky there mm-hmm. later on in the film, there, her cat, like, jumps out of a closet or something. And I think right. even in the theater, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but there wasn't a lot of menace overall. There were scenes that were tense, like the scene where she goes into her classroom and it's full of these pictures and she's trying to pull them down and then the principal comes up and is unlocking the door. I think that played into a very, it's sort of like an anxiety dream where you're just, you're trying to like get everything together before someone walks in. And then there's some scenes later on where uh, there's some tense, like, oh, who's there surprise moments. Mm -hmm. But since I, I didn't have a clear idea of what Noah's deal was, you know, you don't really get 
even something like Fatal Attraction, I think you could tell from the beginning that Glenn Close isn't entirely, like, she's not dealing with things well at all, with anything. And so right. you, you worry throughout the whole movie, like, what the escalation is going to be. Whereas right. I felt like with this, it just sort of went from, oh, you want to be friends, where we're never going to be friends. And now he's writing, I fucked Claire Peterson on a wall and calling her best friend the C word and, right. you know, attacking her in the bathroom. And later on, I think he he tries he tries to kill John Corbett, mm-hmm. and it's just these little these scenes where it was just like, well, I'm confused as to what he's trying to do, and even right. at the end of the movie, I think he's still trying the whole well, we can we can go away together kind of idea, and it's like, well, well, if you wanted to do that, why then all of why all which of I mean this? they they <laughs> never make sense because I think I mean it. I think like single white female she's still mm-hmm. like oh well, we're best friends and it's like well no we're yeah. not because you've cool. done these these things that are terrible right so I mean there's not a lot of sense to be made out of these sort of plans but it was just sort of overall like well alright and no one you know no one's uh, related so it's not that's with BC <laughs> Andrews that's <laughs> there's a that's the division with the, with BC Andrews <laughs> No one finds out that by accident they are, in fact, related. That happens um, a lot. Yeah. I uh, I have to tell you about, um, not to make this the V.C. Andrews cast, but just really quick. Um, <laughs> it was a dream. <laughs> um, my, um, when I was in sixth grade, I was in um, homeroom, and uh, we had like a... 30 minute reading period and I had forgotten my book and so I just went to the bookshelf that was in the classroom and in on the bookshelf was this book by V.C. Andrews called Garden of Shadows not appropriate for the classroom not appropriate for a 6th grade Mm -mm. classroom bookshelf but I read it and that was my introduction to to V.C. Andrews and um I, I very Ugh. vividly reading remember reading that whole book. I was like twelve, and um, I was out like I was precocious because I was already kind of reading above above my school level. But I don't think my teacher realized that that was one of the books that was out of her, you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> boxes from home that was on the on the shelf. Because I remember her seeing me with it one day and kind of giving me a second look, but kind of being like, well. That's already done. <laughs> so. yeah, that that a similar thing happened to me around the same age, where it was the same thing mm-hmm. of I could go and get a book off the shelf because I finished the assignment or whatever, and I read right. Plan of the Cave Bear. Oh my god! And I was about I was like eleven. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. I mean it was one thing, which I was kind of like oh, and then I read Valley of Horses, which is its own separate yeah. issue, and that was. <laughs> eye-opening to say the least yeah um but i just i remember it was the first time because when you're when you're young you're not really exposed to anything that kind of um has a sense of 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 fear about like the person you're in a relationship with and uh, garden of shadows is very much one of those uh it's, and that's it's a the prequel, prequel to yeah. yeah the prequel to flowers in the attic um mm-hmm. and so it tells the story of their mother and um she has an asshole husband and so incest 
occurs. Um, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> long story short. <laughs> but uh, so other than, you know, the kind of uh, woman geared erotic thriller uh, question, very specific question I gave you, what do you think of The Boy Next Door in general? Do you enjoy it? Is it a good, bad movie for you? It is. Like, I did enjoy it. And I, I saw it. I saw it in the theater with a friend of mine after the recommendation on, on Facebook that I think mm-hmm. Natalie made. <laughs> and so I said, you know, this sounds like a movie I need to see. So my friend and I went and saw it and it was fun. Like it was a fun movie to go and see. I'm sure that once it's on HBO or Showtime, I will probably watch it often when it comes up on my iPad. Cause I'm going to say, Oh, you know what? The boy next door is there. Click. Yep. Cause it's one of those. I mean, I, there's other yeah. movies like that, that I just watch whenever, cause they're in the background. And yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, so in that sense, yeah, it was, it was good, bad, because there are better thrillers of this ilk out there, but when you have just sort of a cluster of that, I mean, it was the same. I would kind of put it with uh, The Roommate in that there are, there are better ones, but it's still like you're watching it and you're like, well, something, something wacky is going to happen and I'm just going to wait and see what it is because it could be anything. So we're, we're nearing the end of our time. And I thought that we could just wrap it up by first off congratulating you on your <laughs> first run as a podcaster. I know. Wow. I feel... Yay! I feel so modern. <laughs> <laughs> it does to see, seem to be what the kids are doing these days. Um, and um, And just to see if you had any... Any thoughts about, you know, um, the movie, the podcast, anything else that you want to share while you're here? Um, And we're just having a casual chat (laughs) on this bonus episodes. That's kind of what they're for is to give you a little bit of a a, another voice that's not so structured. Well, I feel I feel like this kind of movie is really fun for the minute by minute format, because Mm -hmm. even in the minutes where it seemed like not a lot happened, there's still so much that's building up to other things that I, I don't think it's ever slow. Like there's always something where something is happening. That, but um, right. I mean, it's a fun movie. I think people. Mm-hmm. I think people should see it. They should go to the red box and and get it and not not be embarrassed. You should just watch it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you should appreciate it. I've never I've never seen any of Jennifer Lopez's romantic comedies, so I don't know. If this is like indicative. I mean, I guess this is such a romantic comedy. I've seen her dramas mostly, yeah. <laughs> so I think this is pretty. Yeah, and I've seen uh, I've seen two of her romantic comedies, and um, I, I I think I think the biggest issue with with casting J Lo in movies like like um, like a romantic comedy such as um, The Wedding Planner or um, or Made in Manhattan is that. Um, or even this movie is that the conceit is that Jennifer Lopez is an ordinary person yeah. that yeah. you could <laughs> run into on the street. <laughs> and that is, um, you know, that may not be a, uh, like a major ding on her acting abilities or anything like that. It's just the fact that she's J-Lo yeah. and, uh, and it, when she shows up in a movie as like a clumsy regular person it's like 
no. <laughs> and it's been touched on in like some of the previous minutes, and I know that it really doesn't have anything to do with it ultimately. But when your conceit is supposed to be that John Corbett was like, oh, I'm married to J-Lo, but I'm so bored of her now, I'm having an affair. Like, right. really? This is what you're going to start with? Like, this is our opening, like, you know, drama, the exposition? Like, oh, my husband had an affair. Like, with who? <laughs> right. Who the fuck is cheating on J-Lo? Like, who's <laughs> the other person in this equation? Like, because... I mean that that's the part where it was just there was so much of her just like oh I'm so sad and then the date scene where she's like I guess I'll put on sexy shoes and be sexy it's like you're Jennifer Lopez <laughs> yeah I think you can make like Jennifer Lopez literally designs a line of highly sexy shoes so I just <laughs> and then I get you know she'd be awkward on that date because you know she hasn't been on a date in so long she's been married okay that's fine but that what vicky could only find the world's worst guy to set up her very beautiful friend with you know i i get that that whole thing was just so that we could see her get upset and then go home and there's noah being sweet but again it was like this is the weirdest setup for this because I'm pretty sure you could show anyone, like, oh, this is my friend Claire. She needs a date. And they're like, oh, Mm -hmm. well, I will go on a date with her because she's beautiful. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like when when there are women who are, like, divas, it's like, why not just cast them as divas, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I I don't know. Why try to make us believe that they're an ordinary person? It makes me think of, like, um, I know that Nicki Minaj was in this, uh, that movie, The Other Woman That Looked Like Garbage. And but she was playing Cameron Diaz's assistant. Just and it's like Nicki Minaj is nobody's motherfucking <laughs> assistant. I'm sorry. Like you're not gonna walk into an office and see Nicki Minaj sitting at any reception table. Well, it's, um, it's like an obsessed when Idris Elba's like, oh, why is Beyonce just staying at home with our baby, being Beyonce all the time? Like, ugh so tired of Beyonce you know I've got to run off with Allie Larder but it's like why (laughs) oh but that was my favorite I will say I think my favorite part of the movie just for sheer okay was the date scene when I'm I'm hoping I remember it right because the the guy her date he's ogling the waitress he doesn't believe in classics like kids should just learn to make money and yeah. it's this whole thing about how, you know, kids who study the classics are never going to amount to anything. They need to be taking business classes and things like that. And I think her parting mm-hmm. shot as she leaves the date is J.K. Rowling, classics major. Well, because, I mean, just J.K. Rowling is, is you know, very successful and famous and, and talented. Yeah. But it was just someone wrote that <laughs> down and was like, yeah. there it is. <laughs> That's that's yeah. how J.K. Rowling. That's how she's stomping out of this date. J.K. Rowling. No. Like, well, <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> J.K. Yeah. Rowling doesn't need you to defend her. <laughs> right. Well, and also, like, if you're talking to a guy who's just like, business is the only thing that's important. It's not like you can look at him and say, don't you think... Ev- all my kids who are classic majors are going to be J.K. Rowling. And it's like, no. <laughs> he probably doesn't even know who that is. He's probably like, I don't, I <laughs> yeah, don't read fiction because like, it's not non-plus. about money. Yeah, exactly. So, 
So, long story short, make these movies a little bit more intense. Have a person with clear intentions. And cast J-Lo as a diva. She's a diva. I don't want to see her in a freaking, you know suburban house and even if she is at least have someone acknowledge that she's like the most beautiful person in this neighborhood you know (laughs) someone at some point needs to say well you should go out and have all these dates and i think i think the gist of it all when vicky is telling her she should get out there is all based on well he had an affair so you should get out there too or you know you need to move on from him and not look at you (laughs) You look amazing. (laughs) Get out there. Look at you. You're (laughs) J-Lo, and you shouldn't be sitting home alone being sad about John Corbett, who's all hair and weird. (laughs) You're a triple threat. Get out there. (laughs) Yeah, get out there. Do your thing. Yes, you used to be a fly girl. Um, So (laughs) You bought an anaconda. (laughs) He did. Um, So before we go, Megan, do you have anything to plug uh well my appearances on cast next door and yes. which my my podcasting experience and uh I, as as we were talking about uh my my vc andrews blog uh trapped in the attic dot wordpress.com uh we're right in the middle of uh the Dollenganger series right now which is the, the there are sequels to flowers in the attic in case anyone was ever curious there's more <laughs> There's more, guys. <laughs> There's more. There's so much more. It's not just the one. No. Um, Spoiler yeah. alert, they get out of the attic. <laughs> whoa. Whoa. Groundbreaking. <laughs> okay. Um, well, thank you so much. It has been a delight talking to you. Thanks. You, um, you too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... Um, this has been a bonus episode of The Cast Next Door. And I'm Sammy C. Goodbye. Bye. This is a first edition?